It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Geraldo Rivera. I'm Emily Campagno. And I'm Eric Sean. This is a Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, September 6th, 2022. I'm Dave Anthony. It's now after Labor Day, so the election campaigns kick into high gear and a familiar issue is top of mind. I think inflation, the economy, my job prospects, uh, what happens to my kids' jobs prospects, all of that's going to weigh most heavily on the voter. I'm Dana Perino. Scientific and medical innovations have led to people living exponentially longer, but one author explains how new information on cellular health could change our concept of aging. So we're getting to the point where we're actually, you know, in perhaps 10 years' time, we um, may choose to live for as long as we like, which is kind of crazy, but um, that's where we're heading. And I'm Kevin Walling. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Election Day is getting closer. Just nine weeks away now, and it feels like it. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. And President Biden blames his predecessor. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. In his primetime address last week, the president said this is not just a midterm election for control of Congress. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. And while the president insisted... Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Former President Trump said he insulted millions of voters. You're all enemies of the state. He's an enemy of the state. You want to know the truth. At a rally also in Pennsylvania on Saturday, the former president called the Biden speech... The most vicious, hateful, and divisive speech... Ever delivered by an American president. But as the two sides spar over MAGA and who's more divisive, one issue may rise above it all. A familiar one. If you look out over an average of political polls over decades, the economy almost always ranks the top. John Bussey is associate editor at The Wall Street Journal, a Fox News contributor. Plain and simple, really local pocketbook issues for voters. And so while the midterm campaigns have gotten kind of more interesting, I mean, we've had some Democratic victories where they weren't expected. You've had Supreme Court decisions that have vitalized, you know, both bases. Uh, It's gotten more interesting at the core. I think inflation, the economy, my job prospects, uh, what happens to my kids' jobs prospects, All of that's going to weigh most heavily on the voter. And it is obviously Republicans who have been hammering away at President Biden, blaming him for inflation, which we've had at a 40-year high this year. And the stock market has not been kind to this president this year. We have the Dow's down 14 percent, the Nasdaq's down 26 percent. Some people believe we're already in a recession. Do you think the stock market believes we're in a recession? Yeah, the stock market is trying to forward look on earnings of companies. So it's probably not as fixated on whether or not we're in a technical recession. And that gets technical, Um, you know, whether or not we're in a recession. It's looking also at the job market, which we can get to in a second, but it's, you know, very robust. 
you know my view on this, that it's hard to blame any single administration for inflation. So yeah, but the, the Biden is, is administration has taken some heat, a, John. No question. Because, no question. I mean, they're, because they said last year that inflation wasn't really going to be around. It was going to be transitory. It'll go away. And they've had to come back and admit that well, they were wrong about that. Yeah, I think you could blame the Biden administration for some pretty bad communications. And the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, has said as much. I got it wrong. And the Fed uh, chair has also said, I got it wrong. I thought it was going to be transitory. I thought the factories were going to start pumping out product faster than they did. But look, you know, look what happened to us. The pandemic continued. So you can blame the administration for bad communication. Can you blame them for the inflation? I don't think so. There was additional spending by the administration, right, for bailout programs. But you could argue on the other side, if they hadn't had the bailout programs, there were a lot of people that would have lost their homes and would have not have had enough money to put food on the table. Going forward, the voter's not going to care about that. The voter's going to say, okay, it's better for me or it's worse for me. I'm paying a lot more at the grocery store right. than I was before. Right. And I don't like that. And I'm paying, I'm paying a lot more for rent in big cities. Uh, I don't like that either. I'm paying less than I was a month ago, a lot less for gasoline, but still it feels high. I just feel kind of uncomfortable. Flip side of that, I'm getting seven, eight percent more in my wages. If I change jobs, five or six percent more if I stayed in the same job on average than I was a year ago. Wages have gone up. So it's going to come down to very particular localized, am I better off or not better off? decisions economically by the voter uh, as they as they head into the voting booth. Yet the president, he talks about economic issues, but it's Republicans that are seizing on the economy the most because they're hammering at him on inflation. He's on the defensive on that issue, it seems. And is that going to help Republicans overcome? I know Democrats believe the abortion issue is in their favor and might have turned things around for them so there won't be this giant red wave in November. But can the economy still give Republicans the win they need in the House and maybe even the Senate? Well, it's always top of mind for the voter. And I don't think that you're going to see dramatic change in the next nine weeks in the economy. You're, you're, you're seeing just the beginning of the jobs reports, which are coming in pretty strong still, you know. You're kind of wishing for bad news in some ways, but you don't want the bad news. You well, want, there was a decline you know, in jobs in August, right? It went from 526,000 in July to 318,000 in August. Yeah, that's right. But that number is still really good. Uh, the, the, the over 500,000 was just like remarkable. Uh, but now you're still dealing with a very good number. And you're at 3.7% unemployment, which is still a very low employment number. It's still a great time to be looking for a job. Now, the thing is that over the next few months, it's probably become less of a great time to look for a job because these interest rate rises by the Fed will have an effect. It's raising borrowing costs for companies to expand. It's raising borrowing costs for people to buy a home or to buy a car. And that's likely to damp down the economy and damp down uh, job creation, which quite frankly is what the Fed is after. The Fed knows that if you have such a tight job market, you're going to constantly be bidding up wages. And that's hugely inflationary. Wages, labor costs are a major part of any business's uh, expenses. So I'm trying to understand this. We have rent that is skyrocketing, right? We had the, the price of a home also rose a lot. I know that the mortgage uh, increases 
have lowered some demand for housing and then there may be some problems in the housing market. But with rent really high, why do we have people not working or wanting a job? There was a report there were like nearly two jobs available for everyone looking for one. So why are people not wanting a job if if all these prices are higher, inflation, all this? You had a lot of people leave the job market. Um, the boomers are retiring. Uh, the pandemic accelerated that. People were working from home. They thought, do I really want to get back on the Long Island Expressway or you know, the, the train or <laughs> the subway or the bus to go to work? There were decisions like that that were being made that resulted in a lot of exit from the labor force. But you're, you're seeing, you're actually seeing um, you know, uh, more people looking for work now, which is probably a good sign. That means that employers will have a few more people to choose from for jobs. They may not have to offer quite so much of an increase in wages. Look, you know, we also haven't talked about a couple of other big factors here that are completely unpredictable going into the next nine weeks. Okay. The pandemic, which is still shutting down factories in, in China. You know, they have this zero COVID policy. They close the city when yeah. they have cases. And not, well, not even that, a lot of cases. It's not it's, it's a small number of cases. Exactly right. They don't they for a whole bunch of reasons, they don't want to have a big outbreak. They have a, a population that's under vaccinated. They have a lot of older people. They have a healthcare system that they don't want to uh, overstress. So they shut the city down. Well, they shut the factories down too. Well, that means the semiconductors or the auto parts or, or, or whatever it is that you might buy in the United States isn't getting shipped. And that means supply disruptions, inflation is going to continue. The other thing is we, we have a war going on in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine, big producers of grain, fertilizer, and energy, oil and gas. Russia just shut off gas to Europe because Russia's mad at Europe for supporting Ukraine, that's going to drive up uh, energy prices and inflation in Europe. And that's going to have knock-on effects in the, the United States. Now, if that's the case, if we have energy prices spike up as we get into the fall, October and all that, ahead of, you know, people are going to start to think about their winter heating bills and all these kinds of things. Would that play into Republicans' hands right when we're getting ready to vote? Well, it, it might well. That is, if that happens, Europe, um, Germany particularly, made the mistake of depending too much on uh, energy supplies from Russia. The United States is not in that position. It right. has a lot of sources of energy, and it, it produces a mammoth amount uh, of, of, on its own. So what you see happen in Europe may not affect energy prices as severely in, in the United States. So you may, you, that, that piece of the inflation puzzle may not drive inflation up in the United States over the next nine weeks, as much as other things like just supply from China, supply from other parts of the world that are still contending with the pandemic. What happens with the pandemic in the United States? You know, are we once again headed into a bad fall and winter um, that's going to shut down businesses or have situations where pilots aren't able to show up for jobs at our airlines because they're sick. Do you think it's possible in the fall we could have a rebound for stocks or is it, it I know there's a lot of uncertainty and Wall Street doesn't like that. So is that possible that we could claw back some of the losses we've had so far in 2022? Well, it, you know, as you pointed out, stocks are down. The S&P is down 18 uh, percent this year alone. All right. So that would suggest it's a bad year. Optimist. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a very bad year. But for the optimists, they would say glass is half full. That's a great amount of room for a bounce up. 
Karen Langley and Bill Power have stories on WSJ.com about this right now, that it doesn't seem like we've sort of hit the bottom of sentiment yet uh, in the market. And if you you look ahead, I mean, we're going to get readings on the services sector this week. On September 13, we'll see new inflation numbers. Every week, we'll get jobless numbers. Those will all sort of affect the near-term sentiment. But the macro forces here, a Fed inclined to raise rates, not talking about a quarter percent. The debate is between a half a percent or three quarters of a percent uh, for the next Fed meeting. That's a pretty substantial. And that shows that the Fed's still quite worried about inflation. That's going to weigh heavily on stocks. Hard to imagine that there's this really sweet Cinderella-like moment where you, you're going to have inflation beginning to moderate, the job market stay strong, and the economy not affected by a Fed who suddenly changes his mind and starts easing. I, it, it's just hard to imagine that happening. John Bussey, associate editor at the Wall Street Journal, Fox News contributor. Good to talk to you. Thanks, John. My pleasure. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. This is Kevin Walling with your Fox News commentary coming up. After decades of innovation in medicine and technology, human beings are living longer. Most people are living past the age of 60. In fact, the World Health Organization estimates that by 2030, one in six people in the world will be 60 or over. With greater longevity comes a whole host of issues, ranging from hearing loss and muscle pain to heart attack, cancer, and dementia. This fact has certainly caught the attention of influential people around the world. Amazon's Jeff Bezos, Google founder Sergey Brin and Larry Page, and even Peter Thiel. Each of them have invested in entrepreneurial endeavors aimed at beating back the negative impacts of aging. But many of these companies have a long way to go before they can deliver on lengthening the lifespan of humans. But some medical minds have been researching this topic for years and have written extensively about valuable strategies we can use right now to live longer. It's about aging proactively and consciously, and, and we know how to do that now. 
Greg McPherson is a biotechnologist, cellular health expert, and author of Harnessing the Nine Hallmarks of Aging. We understand uh, more and more how our cells are aging. And um, when we look after ourselves, then we age a whole bunch better. The book was really about distilling a paper that came out in a journal called Cell. And it's about deciphering all that science and giving people a really easy way to just get all of the insights from that paper so they age better. Uh, there, there are parts of the book that I found just a little bit difficult for someone who's not a scientist. I had to look up some of the words, but everything is in here. You explain some of these things, but just for the broader audience at home, when you talk about the excitement that is surrounding the academia around aging, you must be super excited because the way that I read this towards the end is that our knowledge of biology is leading us to quite an interesting place. So what would the, if all of us were to get on board and to do all of these things, what could we see in the future in terms of health for humans worldwide? Um, it's such, yeah, such a good question. And it is so exciting because we are the first generation of humans that are really starting to understand aging at a cellular level. And once we understand that aging, then we've got a chance to actually intervene and, and do things and informs our lifestyle essentially on what we can do but also we can take different treatments, which will mean that we can start to live a whole bunch longer. I think right now, for every year that we're alive, we're actually living an extra four months. But in five years, it might be that for every year that we're alive, we actually get an extra year. So that means for each year we're alive, we've got an extra two years, so to speak. So we're getting to the point where we're actually, you know, in perhaps 10 years' time, we um, may choose to live for as long as we like, which is kind of crazy, but um, that's where we're heading. And there are some very, very smart people putting energy behind it. People like Jeff Bezos and the guys behind Google are putting billions of dollars behind this. And um, you know what it is? You know, we humans put their mind towards something, then they very often achieve it. So do people have to feel old as they get older? The answer is no. And I think you just got to look back maybe 20 years ago, even 30 years ago, to see how the previous generation aged. And we're doing it so much better already. And that's just through nutrition, just knowing how things work, the pollution's less, all these things. So we're doing so much better, but we're going to level it up yet again. And it means that, yeah, we could be 100, but look and feel 60. And that's just going to be incredible. One thing that I learned in the book is about the difference between a biological age and your chronological age. Could you explain that? Yeah, it's really interesting. We have, as we all know, a chronological age. That's the uh, number of times we've been around the sun. It's our birthday. Um, but we have a biological age, and this is the age that our cells are acting. And that can be really different than our chronological age. So, you know, we all know people that in their 80s that bound up mountains and have heaps of energy. And if you look inside these cells, you'll see that their, their cells are actually acting a lot younger than people in their usual age group. But scientists have recently worked out that you can there's a, there's a particular clock that ticks away and, um, and you can measure that. And so you can actually get a sense of how old your cells are actually acting. And what's really exciting about that is people, uh, people have discovered that you can do things to change your biological age. And that's really what we're talking about here in the book. And how much of that is diet and exercise and then the added piece that you have throughout the book about supplements? Yeah, very much so. I mean, we can get so far with lifestyle, diet, exercise, being calm, meditating, that sort of thing. But 
Um, doesn't matter how good we do that, we, um, we need a little bit of extra help. There are certain enzymes in our bodies, certain parts of our cells that decline in function from our 40s, which have a material impact on our, our cellular health. So the current thinking right now, the current technology is that let's get those enzymes, give them a nice little lift um, so that they, um, we get them back to what youthful levels, if you will, and that'll give us time for the next level of technology to come through, which is going to be about how do we reverse that age clock that's sitting on our DNA. Is there an age where it's too late to try any of this? Not at all, no. There's some really interesting research. Um, there's, a, there's a drug called rapamycin, which is a drug which is typically used by people who have an organ transplant, and it's designed to manage your immune system so your body doesn't reject the kidney. But uh, not so long ago, scientists worked out that if you took it in a particular way, it actually um, slowed the aging process down and actually reversed it. And it's done that in just about every animal that's been tested on and humans trials are happening now. But it was really interesting. You could take it at 40 or 60 or even 80 and get benefits from it. So absolutely never too late. So let me ask you about your background, because because you have a background as pharmacist, as I understand. So how much has that informed how you look at this new science today? Quite a significant amount, Dana. And the reason for that is, um, you know, when I wrote the book about the nine hallmarks of aging, and a hallmark is a cause of aging, and in particular, there's nine of them, and they occur inside our cells. Um, but I didn't see just the hallmarks. My pharmacy brain went, wait a second, these are nine targets that we can actually intervene with and change to slow the aging process down. And that's what got me so excited about it, because this is something that, um, that we will be able to learn to do, and, and there is huge progress already. In your research, have you come to some conclusions, either on your own or evidence-based, I guess, uh, in terms of research, of why these there tends to be an increase of cancer and dementia that's very prevalent in the United States. Is there a particular reason why? Uh, I think, you know, my pet theory is around our, our lifestyle and our diet. So, you know, we, we need to move and, um, and exercise. And that's so important. And just by exercising, you trigger all sorts of healthy pathways in your body, which um, prevent cancer. But we're also having, a, a, I guess, the Western diet of, of high sugar and high carbohydrates, and these uh, also have a material impact on overloading and stressing our cells. And when we consistently stress ourselves, it just means there's more chance of something breaking and something like cancer occurring. So, you know, we, the, these are things that are, are quite clear now. And uh, I think that's uh, America and, and New Zealand and many parts of the world. That's, that's one of the issues we're dealing with. When you say exercise, how much exercise? What kind of exercise? Yeah, like even half an hour of walking a day or even 10 minutes, just something is, is good. So whatever you're doing and just add, add a little bit, um, but half an hour is optimal. I'm doing it every day. But the, the actual key thing is how do we build movement into our lives? So do we take the stairs? Do we jump up and change the channel? What do we do that's consciously just making sure that we're standing up? Let's do walking meetings. Let's stand up at our desk. These are things that actually are really small, but they compound and have massive impact later in our lives. I wondered if you could tell people a little bit about Blue Zones. I listened to a podcast not too long ago about Blue Zones. I ended up buying one of the cookbooks because I really liked some of the recipes in it. But I was fascinated by these certain areas in the world where people have amazing longevity, not much disease. What are they doing there that others might be able to put into their own lives? 
Yeah, so the secret sauce is, um, comes down to having a plant-based diet. It's um, shown to be very, very good for longevity. Um, it's not to say they don't have the occasional piece of fresh or steak, so it's still part of it, but um, that's predominantly there. They have their biggest meal in the morning, um, and that's shown recently to have if you're intermittent fasting, that having a, a big meal in the morning actually is um, you get most significant benefits. As I mentioned earlier, they um, they um, exercise and build move, movement into their day. And then they're also very sociable animals. So they have great social networks, which is so important. I think this is something which we've kind of neglected as we've all gone and jumped into our, our, our apartments over the last couple of years. But, you know, social is key for, for so, on so many different levels. And then they also uh, have a philosophy which is either faith-based or community-based, so sort of a belief in a, a bigger you know, it's not just about them, so to speak. So, and the and the blue zones are in five places around the world, and, and these people do literally age better than the rest of us. How much does having a positive mindset affect either how you feel about your age or your actual aging process? It, it has a massive effect on both. So, you, um, if you age positively, um, you live longer. It's it's just a, a known uh, thing. Um, but also if being positive actually has a material impact on your cells. So you have these little tips on the end of your DNA called telomeres. And when you're stressed, um, they shorten faster. So if you're positive and you're managing your stress well, um, you have an actual material visibly positive effect on your cells. Tell us where we can get your book. It's called Harnessing the Nine Hallmarks of Aging to Live Your Healthiest Life where we can find your book and what's next in your pursuit of study on aging and helping us all to have better cellular health. Um, so uh, just jump onto Amazon. We're there. If you just um, dial up Harnessing the Nine Hallmarks of Aging, you'll find uh, my book. Um, and what's next? Well, as part of um, building and writing this book, I formed a company called SRW Laboratories and we're developing um, supplements that help you age better. And right now we're in the middle of clinical trials to validate that. It's quite exciting. How long does it take for somebody to see uh, an effect or a result if they were to start to do some of these things? Um, you can see, depending on the sensitivity of the tests that you're working with, but you can um, see benefit within three months. Um, our trial, we're testing at three months, six months, and 12 months, just to get a, a good, clear view of exactly what's happening. Well, it's great. And we've appreciated your time and we love your accent. And we <laughs> hope that we get to talk to you again. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dana. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Kevin Walling. What's on your mind? To quote the esteemed American philosopher Yogi Berra, it's deja vu all over again in the wake of the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago, as former President Donald Trump once again single-handedly has hijacked the nation's attention. Following the January 6 hearings, the federal judge approved search of Mar-a-Lago for classified documents, and the guilty plea of Trump Organization's CFO, Alan Weisselberg, the 45th president of the United States, is once again back in the spotlight. 
raising money and consuming all of the political and media oxygen available. A few months ago, DC's favorite parlor game focused on guessing just how massive of a red wave November would bring, wiping out Democratic control of both the House and Senate. Rising stars on the right were making trips to all of the important states of Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, and writing books with dreams of occupying the Oval Office. With President Biden's job approval numbers underwater, gas prices increasing daily, and supply chain issues affecting everyday Americans, many Democrats were rightly worried about what we might wake up to on Wednesday, November 9th. Now inflation has ebbed, prices at the pump have declined for two straight months, and last month's job creation numbers, totaling more than half a million, took everyone in Washington by surprise. And instead of a strong bench of Republicans articulating a vision for the future, we are yet again only talking about Donald Trump. All of these factors, coupled with a series of big legislative wins for veterans' health care, the CHIPS Act, and the Inflation Reduction Act, provide a stark contrast for President Biden and the United Democratic Party compared with the scenes playing out on the Republican side of the aisle. In the wake of the Mar-a-Lago search, former President Trump is rallying his base and forcing would-be rivals to go on the record that there was nothing wrong or illegal in taking classified documents, some of our nation's most sensitive secrets, to his palatial country club estate in Palm Beach. Literally overnight, all talk of potential GOP 2024 contenders has evaporated, leaving Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Senator Ted Cruz, and even Trump's former running mate, former Vice President Mike Pence, scratching their heads and pledging fealty to the Don once again. If you thought Donald Trump is no longer the head of the Republican Party, you lose. Republicans have rushed to defend their defeated standard bearer on dubious grounds, and the former president is reaping all the political and financial benefits, while draining critical resources and attention from Republicans locked in tough races with less than 80 days until the midterm elections. Any talk about Donald Trump running again in 2024 or the potential of him announcing before the midterms would likely drive turnout to be much more like a presidential election year rather than a midterm cycle. As a Democratic operative, I'm not worried about the prospects of Donald Trump running for president again. In fact, as a campaign guy who wants to have a Democrat in the White House until 2028, I want him to be the Republican nominee. By taking up all the oxygen and raising money for himself, while GOP Senate challengers drop in the polls, it's clear the Mar-a-Lago raid winners are Donald Trump and Democratic prospects in November. This is Kevin Walling. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Did you hear the news? Now you can. With instant updates from Fox News for Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa. Play news from Fox. In Fox News. It's the latest when you need it. On demand from Fox News and Amazon Alexa. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.